0: Well, uh, it's great to be here today. Today is the week before uh, Pentecost, and uh, I am a fan of uh, Pentecost uh, Sunday. In fact, uh, it's a little bit of a mystery uh, to me uh, as a a pastor, uh, because this should just be like a huge day in the church calendar. I mean, you should have Easter for all the good reasons why Easter is the biggest holiday of the year, and Christmas... But what about Pentecost Sunday? I mean, there should be like three big, uh, you know, events in the Christian calendar and Pentecost Sunday uh, is one of them. So I'm so excited about Pentecost Sunday that today I'm just want to give it a build up for next week. And yes, we'll have ice cream, but honestly, the big attraction is the Holy Spirit. Uh, The ice cream is great. Uh, But we also have the men's retreat and then the outings. And so just a great, uh, we've got a great Sunday uh, lined up for us next week. If you had to ask yourself, you know, how could the Holy Spirit make a difference in your life right now? Given that God tells us that the Holy Spirit guides us, the Holy Spirit empowers us, uh, how might you need a little bit of guidance from God or a little help from God in your life right now? Uh, I think, uh, you know, it doesn't take too much uh, self-searching to figure out that we could do with a lot more of God in our lives. And uh, given that God's natural desire is to bless us and uh, that these would be good gifts, uh, I think it's a good idea to be asking and seeking and desiring God. But what might that look like in your life right now? I mean, what sort of help or guidance or empowerment or, uh, you know, where is it that you might be asking God? And I just say as an opener, I'm praying that God would meet whatever those uh, expectations are or hopes are or desires are. But God does actually ask us, strangely enough, to ask Him for his involvement in our lives. So uh, even though we have this need, we should also be uh, intentional about inviting him. But for many, uh, people would say, well, who is the Holy Spirit? And what exactly does the Holy Spirit do? I mean, it is kind of a distinction of this church or of the Vineyard movement that we do talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. uh, And it's kind of surprising from our perspective that many churches talk a lot about God. Uh, They'll talk about God's love, the love of the Father. And that's so awesome. And they'll talk about Jesus. Obviously, it's pivotal. Jesus died on the cross. If it wasn't for Jesus, we wouldn't be sitting here. But then when it comes to things of the Holy Spirit, it's just like, well, yeah, yeah, the Holy Spirit. But I mean, is there any emphasis on the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit does? Or does it all just sort of get collapsed into Jesus? and yet the Trinity is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So I think it is helpful for us to ask the question, who is the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do? What does it look like in my life? And then from my perspective, uh, I think it's really interesting to see how the Holy Spirit ties the Old Testament and the New Testament together. And I want to look at that a little bit today and see, you know, what does that look like and how does God use that? But yeah, it is uh, Pentecost Sunday next week and we want to experience the power of God in our lives. Well, let me uh, look at it from this perspective, from the Old Testament perspective. Uh, There are three holidays in the Old Testament where God was saying, if you're Jewish, you have to make a journey and show up in Jerusalem. In other words, From God's perspective, he's saying there are three occasions, there are three celebrations, these three festivals where you need to drop everything, make the journey, and show up. The first one was Passover, which in the New Testament context would be our Easter, Jesus being the Passover lamb, uh, dying on the cross for us, being a living uh, lamb Passover. But the other one is Shavuot, which I want to talk about today. Which is based on the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Weeks is Pentecost. So I'll circle back to that. And the other holiday is Shakot, Sukkot, which is tents and tabernacles. It's uh, uh, it happens in the fall if you're a Jewish person and you're following the the Jewish uh, tradition. And the idea there would be. Uh, You, you, if you actually put it in your practice, you'd go camp out in your backyard and you'd live in in tents in shelters for a week. And it's a kind of a festive holiday. But it was really to remember God taking the Jewish people through the desert and he provided for them. But while I'm on that point, there's actually another interesting connection with that holiday. Uh, When God took the Jewish people, trying to connect now the Old Testament and the New Testament, through the wilderness... He said to them, you need to erect a tent, a tabernacle, a place where you could meet with God. But what was particularly interesting is where this was located. It wasn't located like on the periphery or behind the hill where you couldn't see it. It was located like right in the middle of where everybody was living. And it was important to be right in the middle for a couple of reasons. One is like you couldn't miss it. Uh, God was doing something super special. He wanted to say to the Jewish people, look, I'm going to be right in the middle of your presence. You're going to experience my presence. Like it's going to be super easy. God is saying, I'm doing my part. Just show up at the tent and you will experience my presence. And then after drifting in the wilderness, when they finally get to the promised land and they settle into Jerusalem, finally they build a temple and the temple is doing the same thing. It's right in the middle of the city, as you can go there today and still uh, see that, you know, where it is located. And the idea was that it was the middle of the life of the Jewish people, and you would be able to enter into the temple and experience God. But it was more than that. It was saying you need to reorganize your life around God. Reorganize your calendar around God make you know in this case in our case New Testament Sunday the pivotal day of your life make during the week like you fit God in first you don't like actually fit him in you put God in the middle of your day or what's central to your day and then you fit in your rest of your working week around God now for many people they would be like first thing in the morning or you know just make space make time for God if you want to experience God's blessing But in the New Testament, God is doing something like way bigger than the tabernacle tent, way bigger than the temple. He promises us and has done for us something which is just miraculous. God is saying, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit to live within you. Your body will become a living temple for the Holy Spirit. I mean, God is so concerned about us. He says, I want to give you access to my love, my power, at all times. You don't have to go anywhere. God has showed up. God has done what He needs to do. Now for us to access that, we need to obey the Lord. And when we obey, we access His power and His pleasure. And uh, our lives really go well when we live the way God wants us to live. So let me just uh, back up now to this other festival, Shavuot. Shavuot's kind of interesting. Because in Leviticus, you have all these different uh, festivals laid out. And Shabbat is saying 50 days after Passover, you need all get together. And the big idea here is you're going to give the first of your crops to the Lord. The best and the first. You're going to give it to the Lord. And like God is saying, you've got to show up from everywhere. Just like out of town. It's not like an afterthought. This is like the the event. But then what the rabbis did is they calculated this time and said, here it is, 50 days after Passover. And when they calculated back, they said, hey, this was the time when Moses went up on Mount Sinai and received the Ten Commandments. So for the Jewish uh, faithful followers today, Shavuot is actually recognizing the giving of the law and, uh, you know, really the focus on what God has done in giving the word of God, the law, Ten Commandments, to the people. But in a New Testament format, we realize that 50 days after Easter is Pentecost. Now, here's the interesting thing. When God showed up on Mount Sinai, he says to Moses, come on up, experience a literal mountaintop experience. However, the people got impatient, and before Moses could get back down, they're worshiping an idol. They've created a golden calf, and they're worshiping an idol, and it doesn't go well for them. So God gives them the law, the result is judgment, and 3,000 people end up dying. New Testament, God says to the disciples, hang out and wait for me. This is after Easter just hang out and wait, and they do, and God pours out His grace, and the Holy Spirit shows up, and 3,000 people get saved. I mean, just a a wonderful contrast of the Old Testament, the New Testament, the Holy Spirit working in in both Testaments. So, let me just pray, and let's just dig into that a a little bit more. Lord Jesus, uh, we just acknowledge that in Your Word, in John 3, 6, You say that the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. And so, Lord, I just pray today that as I'm preaching, that you would give birth to spiritual life. Lord, that you would help us with our struggles. You'd help us with our relationship with you. Lord, that you would help us to receive the blessings that you want to pour out on us. So, Lord, I just welcome your Holy Spirit. Empower my preaching. Give us ears to hear what you're saying. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Uh, I actually want to just read that section in Acts to you. I mean, in, 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 before Acts, the end of Luke, the Gospel of Luke. Jesus says to his disciples, this is the, really the closure of the book of Luke. He said he opened, uh, this is verse 45, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, Yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are my witnesses of all these things. Now, notice verse 49. And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. I mean, Jesus is very deliberate. He says, now, hang in there. Stay in Jerusalem. Everything is going to be working against you. You're going to want to, like, flee. You're going to want to disappear. You're going to, you know, wonder where I am. I mean, he doesn't tell him all this. He just says, stay, wait. Uh, Very, very important uh, command. And then uh, the author of Luke wrote Acts. So when you jump over to Acts, you see that they actually do just that. And uh, they do stay and they do wait. And it's a powerful time. So, you know, uh, even in their waiting, though, they're not just like twiddling their thumbs. I mean, they, they're praying, they're meeting together. And in fact, they're actually doing constructive stuff as well. I mean, they're realizing that Judas had betrayed them. And so they want to replace one of the 12 disciples. And they get together and they pray about that. And they install Matthias and, while they're waiting but they're waiting. They're waiting and saying, God, you told us to wait. We're waiting. We don't know what we're waiting for. We don't exactly understand what you mean by you saying you're going to send the Holy Spirit, but we want to do it anyway. But there is this desire that God puts in us uh, or this dependency that God wants us to have, where we need to desire the good things that he has, but God does it in his timing and in his way. And boy, does that drive us crazy. I mean, we've got it all figured out when we want God to show up and exactly how He should show up. And we get disappointed again and again and again. But when we get it right, when we rely on God and we experience His timing and His power, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Uh, Look, when I'm putting these uh, Old Testament, New Testament together, there's a beautiful verse in 2 Corinthians 3, 6, and it says this. He has enabled us, this is the Apostle Paul talking, to be ministers of his new covenant. This is a covenant, not written, not of written laws, but of the Spirit. The old covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the Spirit gives life. And yeah, what a great thing. You know, Old Testament, we'd see the law, we'd see judgment, we'd see death, New Testament... You know, we see grace, we see power, we see salvation, 3,000 people dying, 3,000 people coming to know Christ, Uh, you know, just an awesome thing. And so, of course, you know, we should be asking, God, what are you doing in my life? And how do I get your guidance? And, you know, from a practical standpoint, if ever you're making big decisions, you should be asking God, like, who you should be marrying, or if you're doing a job change, uh, you know any big decision, any big financial uh, decision that you're making, uh, you should be asking for input from the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's not a, <clears throat> excuse me, it's not okay to just say, you know, I feel like buying a new boat, and I'm going to just do it on credit, and you know, I'm sure my wife will agree with me at some point. No, get some like input, like ask your wife, like you think it's a good idea, this a size priority, and if she's in agreement, you you're a lucky guy, and you, you do it, but if she's not, don't do it, don't just like, I think it's a good idea. You know, we've got big decisions to make. Get input from other people. That's part of what God is asking us to do, to be dependent on each other, and you know what? We hate it. We want to be independent. I'm going to make my own decisions about who I'm going to marry, uh, what I'm going to spend my money on, and what job I'm going to do. And yet God is saying, I want to guide you. Use other people. Use believers. Use the Holy Spirit in others to help you to make good decisions so that I can bless you. God does desire to bless us. So uh, if you've got uh, a bulletin, why don't you pull it out? Uh, I want to make three points here. Why many Christians don't experience the Holy Spirit's empowerment and guidance? I've got one, two, three, fill in the blanks here. And here's what I'm trying to say. Why many Christians don't experience the Holy Spirit's empowerment and guidance? The first one is lack of desiring God or lack of desiring the Holy Spirit as evidenced by the inability to wait the folks in Moses' time just could not wait. They said, where did this guy get to? I mean, he's been away for, you know, geez, short time. We hate waiting. God loves us to wait. (laughs) It's just the way it is. There's a tension. Wait, wait on God, just wait. But it's more than waiting. It's reordering your life around God. It's waiting for our lives to be changed by God It's inviting God to show us how we should respond to others. So there's an internal thing, God help me, and there's a sense of how God wants you to help others. But that's all part of waiting on God, waiting. It's easy to say and hard to do. The second point I'm trying to make here is not wanting to look foolish or controversial as evidence by not wanting to take a risk. You know this one. This doesn't take a lot of explaining. You get around the Thanksgiving table or Easter meal or any other time there's a family gathering like now with the graduations, parties, and you say, let's talk about Jesus. Yeah, it typically doesn't go down that well, unless you're talking about people that are in the church. But I mean, you know that if you're going to speak up about God, you're going to have to take a risk. Uh, And God is saying he does want you to speak up for him. And he wants you to be sensitive about that. Who you should be speaking to, when you should be speaking to them. But God asks us to risk when it comes to working with the Holy Spirit. Now there's a twofold thing here. One is like, how do we experience God ourselves? But another part is, God wants us as the body of Christ to be going out, going to all the world. But he wants to use you and me to empower or encourage or help or heal others in the community. Now the challenge for us is, like, will we do that? And can we take that risk? And thirdly, the the biggest challenge I think we have to God and to the Holy Spirit in particular, is the lack of desire to allow the Holy Spirit to change you. It's control. Control is an issue for us because we want to stay in control. But let's just go back to this whole idea of uh, wanting, not wanting to look foolish or controversial. God says this in 1 Corinthians 6.19. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? And then it says, you do not belong to yourself. You see, here's the, here's the tricky part. God is saying he has bought you with a price. He loves you, but your life belongs to Him. And God wants to use you. Now, I want to say this. When God uses you, it's so exciting. It's so rewarding. It's so fulfilling. And for many people, they are praying, God, just show me, like, help me. What what do you want me to do for you? How can you use me? And often God is wanting to use you in everyday, ordinary, simple ways. And that'll be something like this. You will notice something in somebody else, And God will say, go and encourage them. And then you just go and encourage them. Uh, Now, here's the funny thing. You might be encouraging somebody just to come to church. I mean, it might not feel very spiritual. But you're just inviting them to come to church. And you know right there, that's a risk. It's a big risk. You know, I was never invited to church. My whole teenage years, I don't remember one invitation going to church. Most of my 20s, nobody ever invited me to church. I was 27 years old when my girlfriend, now my wife, had to pluck up the courage. And you hear her story. She's like, really pluck up the courage. Because from her mind, it was like, okay, this is either going to go terribly well or terribly badly. And badly meant like, okay, our relationship's over. I mean, that's where she thought the stakes were at. For me, hearing the invitation to, the, to come to church, I'm like, Sure. What's church all about? What happens there? What do you do there? I'd love to come and see all that. Uh, I'd just love to know what happens. And I was, uh, you know, I just was happy for the invite. Little did I realize that my life was going to be totally transformed and turned upside down, like, but I was really grateful. I'm really grateful that my life was turned upside down. I wasn't doing such a great job as a teenager or in my early 20s running my own life. Uh, what I thought was great was a wreck. But what God was doing was awesome. Not wanting to look foolish. Invite people to church. I know it's risky. I know you feel like it's difficult. But what about like asking people to help you, to heal you, or to do something supernatural in your life? Well, that also takes a little bit of courage. What I found is this. If I don't ask the Holy Spirit to work through me, mostly He doesn't. And, uh, you know, I was just reflecting on this recently because all of a sudden I feel like the Lord is starting to give me uh, words of knowledge for strangers. And sometimes it goes really well and sometimes it goes really badly. But I I was reflecting on like, why hasn't this happened for a couple of years? And honestly, I think it's because I've just been too like busy or self-focused or simply not asking God. Let me just give you two examples, Uh, a good Success and a failure. Uh, success, I would put it this way. Uh, I was out running. I, I love to run. And uh, I ran by this guy. He was on his way to the Southboro train station. And uh, I mean, I run by a lot of people every time I run. I don't, I'm not trying to be spiritual. I'm just trying to run. And when I run, I've got my watch on. And I'm normally running against my clock. And I don't want to mess around. And as I came pa- past this guy, for some strange reason, I felt like the Lord said, go tell him whatever he's thinking about that he's in it. And I'm like, that's just weird. And I just kept running. And I got to the corner and I felt like the Lord said to me again. And I'm like, oh man, like I don't even know this guy and I'm busy running and I don't want to create a scene. And so I'm like, no, I think it's the Lord. So I turn around and I'm like in a real hurry. So I'm rude as I normally am. And I said to the guy, hey, listen, you know that thing that you're processing, you know that thing that you're thinking about right now? Well, the Lord is in it and he wants you to do just that thing. And the guy's jaw just drops. I mean, he's like... And I, I said to him, listen, I don't even know if you know Jesus or not, but just shoot up a prayer. See you later, I'm off, and I'm gone. <laughs> and the guy was like, no, wait, wait. And then he wants to tell me his whole life. I mean, all of a sudden, he's like divulging what he's... And I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy's just unloading. Like, and I'm like, he's going to the train station. So, you know, I don't know. But somehow other, that was encouraging. Now, on the other hand, I was down at the Golden Spoon, or at the spoon, as it's called now. And I was having lunch, and... Uh, he, I did something risky, and I realized this is risky. And the risky thing is this. Asking God what he might be doing in the restaurant and pointing it out to me. Okay, now this, if you're busy, you don't ask God this question. But if you do ask God this question, it's surprising how often God answers this question. So I'm sitting there, God, what are you doing in the restaurant? you want to point out anybody to me? Anybody you want to encourage? And as soon as I say, there's this old lady sitting at a table, a few tables up. And, and I know when I've done this in the past, normally I'll just go up there. I don't really know what I need to say, but when I get there, the Lord will tell me. I get to this lady's table, and I'm like, excuse me, and the Lord gives me nothing. <laughs> and I'm standing and I'm like, and the, the per- person that she's with, they're looking at me, and this old lady's looking at me, and I'm like, Lord, give me something. Like, say something. And nothing. And I said, look, I'm so, I'm so sorry, I mean like it's embarrassing other people are looking at me I'm like Lord just tell me what am I going to say nothing and I'm saying to the lady look God just loves you God loves you I don't know what else to say And and I left and they're both looking at me like who is this crazy guy so you know I don't know sometimes God uses you sometimes he doesn't but it is risky it is risky but it's super fun so I would just encourage you to press into these things Okay, the lack of desire to allow the Holy Spirit to change you is control is a big deal. Control is a big deal. But God wants to control us. He wants to guide us. He wants to bless us. Uh, look what it says in Galatians 5:16 and 17. It says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants you to do evil which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. Now, this is the powerful, incredible part. The Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Meaning this, God will empower us and change us from the inside. He will give us His desires, and that will be pure and holy and awesome. Or you can just do your own thing, and it'll end up just being corrupt. So I encourage you to just ask the Spirit of God to invite you to to be with you. You know, a, maybe a word picture is helpful here. I like uh, most activities. I enjoy cycling. Uh, I was canoeing last uh, weekend. But if you cycle in the wind, or if you're canoeing in the wind, there's a vast difference between going into the wind and going with the wind. Now, the Holy Spirit is often like defined as wind or in Hebrew, ruach, you know, there's the, the, the power of the wind where you can't see it, but it's evident. Now, if you're going into the wind, if you're cycling, your head is down, you are cranking, you just like enduring it just to get through it. When you've got the wind at your back, I mean, it's fun. Your head is up. You're noticing the scenery, you're chatting. And that's what the Lord wants for us. He wants us to have the wind, His Holy Spirit in our lives, that our lives go well, that it's a blessing, that it's not just a grind, that we'll go with the Spirit and do the things the Spirit wants us to do in our lives. Let me just uh, end here, and let's try and put a little bit of this into practice. As I said, I think the hardest part with trying to experience the power of the Holy Spirit is this idea to just wait Uh, and when we wait the first and primary thing that we're trying to do is trying to ask God what is it that He are doing in our own lives or in the lives of others but we do actually need to wait and just ask for the Lord so why don't you just bow your head and maybe you know as we're waiting for the Lord I just want to spend some time waiting for him maybe you can just pray to the Lord whatever it is that you would like the Lord to be doing in your life Uh, I'm just going to ask the Lord what He might be doing in your life or in the body here. Have I have got some of the ministry team leaders, if they want to come up and just help me look, so to speak. But Holy Spirit, we just invite you. We just take time. We just give you space. Lord, we just ask that, that you would move in our lives. Lord, you say in Ephesians that I pray from his glorious unlimited resources that he would empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Lord, we just recognize that you've got the power to do what we need to do. So, Lord, we just ask, we just sit quietly now, Lord, expecting, desiring your empowerment. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come.